0: Good morning. Welcome to church. You guys go ahead and stand up with us. Everybody on your feet, no matter what room you're in. We're gonna start our day worshiping God. We're gonna come into His presence with singing just like the Bible says. You guys sing this with me. When all I see is a battle, you see my victory. when all i see is a mountain you see a mountain move come on when i walk through the shadow and when i walk through the shadow your love surrounds me come on there's nothing to fear there's nothing I'll sing this together when I fight. So when I fight. firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. But everything around me is shaking. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never
2: want us to sing that chorus one more time and so here's here's the here's the invitation here today if the work is finished if the end is written this place right here has a lot to celebrate we have a reason to gather together to sing to worship God so band, can we sing that one more time come on y'all let's put our eyes on Jesus
1: My living hope. Praise the one who set me free,
0: hallelujah.
2: The has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living. One more time, one more time, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on every voice, here we go, come on everybody. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Yes, can we put our hands together? We honor you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You're the reason why we're here today. You're the goal. you're the prize. You're what we're aiming at today, Jesus. You're why we're gathered here today. Jesus It's always been about you. You're enough. We love you, God. We worship you today. Amen, amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Amazing, awesome. Hey, hey, my my name is John Shelton. I'm one of the worship pastors here on staff. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that you uh, chose to be here, especially if you're new. And, And in the words of the great theologian Maui, what can I say except you're welcome. <laughs> so glad you're here today. And, and especially y'all, if this is your very first time, or you're like checking this thing out, uh, we wanna meet you. We wanna get you connected right out these doors right here. There's a place of an amazing team, shout out guest services team that would love to meet you, uh, get you connected. Uh, and so really pumped that you're here. But here's here's the deal today, y'all. Um, Two different, two different things I have for you today, two different opportunities that every single person in this room can hop in today. I get this question a lot, here's the first one. I get this question a lot, especially now that the summer is kind of taking a seat, the fall is kind of ramping up. I get this question. How do I get into community and make friends at New Spring Church? <laughs> that's a great question. It becomes a lot smaller when you get connected. I know that's true for me. When I first walked into this place, I was like, man, There's a lot going on here. And then I started serving. I started meeting people, and this place got a lot smaller. And so that's you today. You're like, how do I do that? Great question. And and this is the perfect time to jump in. We have classes. We have Bible studies. We have gatherings that are cranking up, ramping up right now. In fact, we have some men's Bible studies. We have women's Bible studies. We have classes how to read the Bible. We have a men's and women's gathering. There's so many. What I'm trying to say is. There are, there are not a, a, a lack of opportunity for you to get connected. And the best way to do that is our need to know email. Some of y'all are like, oh yeah, sweet. That's the that's the email that comes every Monday. Yes. So uh, maybe some of y'all are already a part of that. If you're not, you can text need to know to 30303 and all of these classes and Bible studies and groups and, and gathers are on there. You can sign up today. I just wanna encourage you. Maybe you're sitting with your spouse. Maybe you're sitting with a roommate or a friend. Maybe it's time this fall that we nudge each other and say, hey, I." I I think it's time that I get plugged in. I think it's time that I get connected. I just want to encourage y'all to do that today. We want to help you do that. The other opportunity is, is this, y'all. And so this, this room right here is set aside to gather every single week, right? We, we do Sunday mornings, yes, but lots of other things. And it's a time for us to worship. But worship is not just singing. That's an incomplete picture of what worship is. Worship is giving all of ourselves to him, And so every week we wanna create an opportunity for you to give back financially. This is one of the ways that we worship. But I wanna kind of speak to this for a second. I, I think that um, in this series, we're talking about this word repentance. And even that word needs to get redefined. Repentance is getting God's view on the matter. How many of y'all would say, Man, our country, our world, this culture needs repentance, needs to change our view on the matter of money. We need God's view on the matter of money. And so I wanna say, I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you as a brother in Christ this morning that worship through giving back to God financially is spiritual defiance against being a slave to the things of this world, right? We are sons and daughters who have been saved. We just sang about it, y'all. The, the chains uh, of, of our old past are broken and now we are sons and daughters of the King who has got deep pockets and now we can have open hands to get to receive freely and give freely. Does that mark your life? That's our heart for everybody, every person in this church is that we would have open hands to receive freely and give freely. So maybe you're like, man, I've, I've never tried that thing out, giving back to God financially, tithing. What it, I've never done that before. I just wanna encourage you today. Maybe it's something that you should pray about. We have a chance to do that every week. You can do that online, on the app, at the end of the service when we can respond. Um, let's, let's all pray about where we are with this idea of being open-handed with God. So, awesome. Hey, uh, could I ask everybody to stand to your feet? We're gonna put 60 seconds on the counter. And here's the, here's the goal in this time. Maybe you see somebody around you you've never met. So I wanna encourage you, this is a time for fellowship. This is a time to shake a hand, get a new name. Let's take this time and when we're done with the 60 seconds, you guys can go ahead and take a seat.
3: When Jesus taught his disciples on the Mount, he told them, you are blessed, but not for the reasons you think. Humanity once shared in God's loving, self-giving nature. But we traded in God's blessing for pride and power, sinking further and further into the pit of our own making. Into this brokenness, Jesus introduces a new way to be human. The new way is really the oldest way, God's way from the beginning. Compared to what we're used to, it's upside down, or rather, right side up. Blessed are the poor, the merciful, and the meek, the grieving and hungry, the peacemakers and the persecuted. This is the way for God's kingdom people. It's the salt and light way, the turn the other cheek way, the seek first way, the our father in heaven way, a way impossible through our own effort. But Jesus ascended the hill for us. Through him and only through him can we walk in the new way of his kingdom, shining bright and turning the world upside down wherever we go.
2: Well,
4: good morning, New Spring Church. How are we doing? Anderson Campus, would you help me welcome all of our campuses across the state? Good morning, good morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Finn. Uh, I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and uh, it's a good morning to be in church. Whether it's your first time, your your 10th time here with us, your 100th time, I want to welcome you, particularly if it is your, your first or second or maybe third time and you're just exploring what Christianity is, maybe exploring whether this is the church family for you. We're so glad you're here. We hope you've experienced radical levels of biblical hospitality, that you've been welcomed, you've been smiled at, you've been greeted, you've, uh, you've been celebrated, as you've walked in this morning, uh, but we don't want you just to stay here. Our vision as a church and what we've committed to as a church family is not that we would just simply come from Sunday morning to Sunday morning and take the box of religious Christianity. But our heart and what we've declared over this church is that we would be a people that would seek Jesus and his love and his reality every single day. And that our vision as a church would be that we want everyone, everywhere, everywhere all across the world, all across the country, to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, to experience his love, to know his power, to live in his kingdom. And so this morning, if you're just exploring whether this church is for you or whether Christianity is for you, I wanna encourage you, it doesn't stop here, it begins here. That there's more for the Christian life than simply just church attendance. That actually Jesus wants you to experience his kingdom every single day. Day. And there's a couple of ways that we help equip people with that, and a couple of opportunities that I want to celebrate right at the beginning here this morning. Uh, all across our campuses, we've got hundreds of people jumping into our Connect classes. Our Connect classes are a four-week class. They begin on the first Sunday of the month and run through the month. And they really do. It is the best way to get connected to this expression of the body of Christ called New Spring Church here in South Carolina. And so if you haven't been to Connect, if you haven't uh, really found your footing in this church and found your place, I wanna encourage you. Connect is for you. You can text Connect to 30303 or sign up at guest services. We would love to help you there. And then all across our campuses, we've got discipleship opportunities. We've got men's groups, women's groups. We've got classes kicking off. We've got opportunities for you to grow. So we don't just simply want you to come and listen to sermons and hope that that sees you through the week, but there's all sorts of campus opportunities for you at your location uh, and to help you get connected and really to help you grow in your everyday relationship with Jesus. We're in the middle of a series, or the beginning of a series rather, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's been an incredible time diving into the words of Jesus found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, And uh, at the beginning of the series, we really kind of put a lens on this, that there is a king, King Jesus, who is establishing his kingdom, and he's doing it through people. There is a king, Jesus, and he's establishing a kingdom, the domain of the king, the dominion of the king, where what the king wants to happen, happens, and he's doing it through us, his people. He's not doing it through programs, he's not doing it through buildings, he's not doing it through services, he's doing it through the people of God, the new temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And as we've explored what that means, we've, we've dived into the fact that there are attributes and, and aspects of those people, that they are poor in spirit, that they're meek, that they are blessed because of these things, that this kingdom doesn't simply belong to the powerful and the rich, but it belongs to the lost and the last and the least. And that because this kingdom is upside down from the way that the world works, because it doesn't run on the system of this world, that the people, you and I that live in that kingdom, we are so distinct that Jesus calls us salt and light. We're set apart, we can't be hidden. We've chosen to live in a different way. And so my assignment this morning is to take us through that as we, uh, as we journey through the book of Matthew. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to open the scriptures. We're gonna have a lot of text today. If you've got an app on your phone, maybe the New Spring app, my notes are preloaded in there so you can follow along in case you get lost because of my accent or my, my poor jokes. That was the pity laugh I was looking for. Thank you, Anderson. That was, that was kind. That was kind of you. Hey, let's read the, the scriptures together. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 17. Let's, let's read these together. Jesus says these words, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, Jesus says, but I've come to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What is accomplished, Jesus? What is accomplished? Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you. There's lots of questions that are coming to my mind from this text. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We're going to need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. So would you pray with me all across our locations one time as we dive into God's word this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to know Jesus and we cannot know him without you. So help us. Open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in the scriptures this morning. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall on New Spring Church, to help us understand what it is you're inviting us into. Jesus, you are the central theme of this text. Your gospel, your finished work, it screams out from the pages. So God, put my words aside. Let your words be preeminent from this stage, from this pulpit, from my voice. Bless these people. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather in your presence and around your word. We love you, King Jesus, and it's in your precious holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. As I've been thinking about this text and preparing for this, there's a question that's come to mind again and again and again. It's a profound question, a a theological question. As I consider Jesus' words, do not think I've come to abolish, I've come to fulfill. Truly I say to you, uh, unless you become the greatest, least, all this. the, The thing that's come to my mind most is this. So What? Who cares, Jesus? Listen, I've got plenty of worries. We haven't got to the worry week yet in the Sermon on the Mount. I've still got plenty of worries. But I didn't wake up this morning and the chances are, neither did any of us waking up going, God, I really hope Jesus doesn't abolish the law and the prophets today. God, I really hope that Jesus isn't gonna abolish them. I was hoping that they would stick around. None of us are thinking that. At least I wasn't, maybe you were, maybe I'm less spiritual, but, but Jesus this morning, he seems to open straight with reassurance. Why is that? Well, we've talked about before that Jesus is addressing a crowd of people and this crowd is pretty diverse. There's some Roman soldiers because uh, the country was occupied by Rome at this time. So there's some Roman soldiers probably leaning on their shields, watching this crowd, hoping that nothing gets out of hand. You've got people from the Decapolis, the 10 cities who are non-practicing Jews, they're Gentiles, they're non-Jewish, but the significant portion of this crowd would have been Jewish. And you have to understand this, that for the Jews, the law and the prophets, they were everything to them. They were deeply, deeply concerned that Jesus was about to abolish the law and the prophets. They were asking themselves these questions. Jesus, these words, Matthew goes on to describe at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that people marveled. They were astonished at Jesus' words. And so these people were, were saying, Jesus, what do your words mean? What do your words mean for the way I live my life? So let's start to unpack the law and the prophets. What do these things mean? Well, firstly, what is the law? The law is referring to the Torah or Torah, depending on how you speak. Uh, and these were given to Moses. You'll find these in the first five books of your Bible. They, they, they detailed the law that God's chosen people, Israel, were going to live. So Moses, a leader that God appointed, led the people of Israel out of slavery into Egypt. And at a mountain was given these commandments. Many of us know them, the Ten Commandments are the kind of the famous ones that stick around. But there's plenty of commandments, and these made up the Jewish law, the Torah. Now, we need to not think about this like we think about laws in our country. These weren't simply, do not go 41 miles in a 40. They were immersive. They they touched every single part of life. They talked about how you ate, how you drank, the people you associated with, your hygiene, your parenting, your marriage. They detailed all sorts of things. The law was so immersive for the people of Israel. There were 613 of these commandments, There were some positive commandments, things you had to do. There were, in fact, some trivia for you, 248 positive commandments. 248, interestingly, corresponds to the level of uh, major organs and bones in the human body. These were things to be lived out. They were things to be done. And as well as the things that we had to do if you were living in accordance with the law, there were also 365 do-nots, negative commandments, things that you shouldn't do. So it was immersive. In fact, we could say it this way. The law was everyday reality for the Jews. It covered every single thing that they did. It was immersive. The law was everyday reality for the Jews. Why was it given? Well, when God led his people out out of Egypt in slavery, and as he had this interaction with Moses and gave them these laws and these rules, they weren't simply the the do's and the do nots, but they were the terms of the covenant that he was making with them. He was making a promise with his people that he was gonna be their God and they would be his people and they would be connected to him and they would know him in, in intimacy. But unfortunately, because they were human beings just like us, they were unable to keep them. And so God also gave some ways that they could make provision for the ways that they broke the law so they could get back on a good page with him. So typically there were sacrifices involving the death of animals, sheep or goats or doves. There was sacrifices that they had to make and that would take them back to sort of net zero with God. So they kind of knew where they stood, but there was this consistent cycle of breaking the law and then sacrificing stepping away from God and coming back to God. And they were in this cycle that really was unable to provide the kind of intimacy for them that God had on offer. And so God started to raise up individuals, messengers within his people. They were called the prophets. And they started to talk about a new thing that God was gonna do that was gonna completely shift the paradigm for which so many of these people were living, this sacrificial system. If you're trekking along, we do a a Bible reading plan as a church every single year and we read through the scriptures together. And if you've been journeying on that with us, it's called the Bible Recap and we've been working through the the book of Jeremiah. We're in the book of Ezekiel now. I don't know about you, but 50-ish chapters of Jeremiah is a bit of a slog. It just is. And then it's Ezekiel and it's just weird now. There's like spinning things and flames and it's just a whole thing. And if you wanna jump in, after I've really sold it to you, you can text Read My Bible to 303. If you, if you wanna be confused too, come and join us. It's an amazing thing. But as we're reading through the book of Jeremiah, we're seeing these prophecies, these words that God is speaking through the prophets to his people. And let's just, let's recap one of those together. It's in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31. And it says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, that's a new promise, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers. That's the the law we've been talking about. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins. No more, the prophets pointed to the future hope for humanity and how they, the people of Israel and us, we together are to relate to God. It's a law now no longer written on tablets of stone, but on the hearts of God's people that they would instinctively choose him. The prophets describe the future hope for the Jews. So when Jesus steps forward in Matthew 5 and looks around at a group of people that are living with an everyday reality to the law and a future hope that's found in the prophets that one day God's gonna do something better. And he looks at them and he says, don't think I've come to abolish it, I've come to fulfill it. Here's what he's saying. I am your new everyday reality, and I am future hope for you. That's incredible news, not just for them, but for us. Because no longer do you and I now lead, need to live in a sacrificial system where we're continually making, trying to make sure, are we okay with God? Are we doing it right? Are we doing better? No longer do you and I need to live at just one day God's gonna make it right when I get to heaven, when I get out of this earth. No, you and I can now live in a reality with Jesus Christ where every single day he's our reality, he's our righteousness, he's our hope for the future. Listen, I think maybe 1% of us are Jewish listening to my voice right now, but we're trapped in the same religious cycles. We're trapped in this law of do better, try harder, gotta keep God happy, trying to get back to net zero. And we're trapped in the same cycle of one day, hopefully when the right people get into government or when I die and get out of here, God will make it better. But until then, I'm just gonna sit and grumble. That's not the Christian life for us. You and I have an everyday reality in the kingdom of God and the king is making all things new through himself. That's our future hope. That's why we can have, like the hymn writers said, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. That's the hope Jesus was saying. So when he looked at the people of Israel and the crowd that was gathered there, he was saying this, I'm fulfilling the old way and I'm bringing about the new way. This is how, remember verse 20 in what we read, our righteousness can exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees it's because we're not banking on our own righteousness anymore. We don't live in this old religious system of the law and we don't live just hopefully hoping that one day God's gonna make all things right. We're able to live in the present with a great strength because Jesus is here and a great hope because Jesus will once again come. The kingdom of heaven becomes our life. That's what it means to live in this kingdom is to accept that every single day he's our reality and to live fearlessly with great joy because he is future hope for us. And so if the king has made a way for us to live in this kingdom, given us his righteousness, what does that mean for us, his people? Jesus will go on to detail six areas of living that find their roots in the Torah and give a picture of his fulfillment work for us. These are things we bump into in our everyday lives. They're things like anger, things like lust, things like divorce, things like the way we think about our enemies, things that, about the way we keep our promises. So I'm gonna read another chunk of the words of Jesus for us, starting in verse 21. You have heard it said, Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard it said that I, to those of old, you shall not murder. That's the old law. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. I'm the oldest of five boys. My mum used that one a lot. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and come to then come to offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. For truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. That's again, one of the 10 commandments. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, it's your right eye there, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. suddenly got a lot tenser in here. What do we do with these words of Jesus? What do we do with these phrases that have been used throughout centuries really to control and manipulate people? Jesus cannot simply just mean them literally because there were no other instances both in scripture and in church history where people start cutting off their hands and gouging out their eyes. So what is Jesus saying here? Have you ever been to a restaurant where they make the food in front of you? At the end of 2020, me and some friends, we went to a, a resort in Mexico and there was a hibachi restaurant there and it had been quite a year, so we were really treating ourselves. And uh, the, the chef comes out and he does the whole like thing and he makes the volcano and you ooh and you ah, and it's, it's really remarkable. Uh, you may have these restaurants in places that you live. We had to go to Mexico to find it, but nevertheless, it's, it's a joyous experience. There are other places that do this, but there is one restaurant in particular that's really committed to making sure that you see them make the food. And listen, this is not a class statement. I'm not making a moral judgment. I, in fact, love an all-star special as much as the next guy. I really do. I really do. So when I go to Waffle House and I watch them both make the all-star special and clean the floor at the same time. I'm just saying I'm kind of out on that. Uh, listen, not trying to make beef with anyone that loves Waffle House, works at Waffle House, any of that sort of stuff, I love it. I just don't wanna watch you make it and clean the floor and also take the trash out without washing your hands. I just, I just don't, I don't like that. Call me a snob. Some of you may on the internet later, call me a snob. Listen, I love Waffle House, but they have really committed to the idea that you're gonna watch them make the food. They've really committed to the idea that you're going to see it. You can't get a seat because there's so much kitchen. It's it's true, right? And they only want four people to sit at a booth, even though most of us have more than four people we want to sit with. Anyway, this isn't about Waffle House. This is kind of the way that we need to understand the words of Jesus here. Because Jesus is saying that the actions that we have in our lives, things like adultery, things like murder, Things like divorce—they have ingredients, and there's a way that these things get made in the human being that actually produces these things. So it's not just did you murder or did you not murder, and are you good, but it's actually is there within you a seed of anger that if it if it grows and if you cultivate it the right way, if you make it like they do at restaurants, that eventually it will produce anger, but it uh, produce murder, but it starts as anger. It's not simply did you sleep with someone who was or wasn't your husband or wife, it's is there within you the desire to use people? Is there within you the desire to take what is not yours and look at what's not yours and it would be better for you to get rid of what helps you see or what helps you reach for things that are not yours. Jesus is talking about the root issues. He's talking about the heart issues. He's talking about the ingredients of the sin and the way that these things get made in our lives. And it's that with which he wishes to touch and minister to. A, a, a pastoral moment, if you've experienced divorce, you know that it is deeply painful. And if you've been divorced or you are going through a divorce or divorce is part of your story or someone you love story, I just want you to know this is a church for you. This is a body you can belong to. This is a family that loves you and wants to help you step into the fullness of what God has for you. Dr. Robert Mulholland Jr. in his book, Invitation to a Journey, talks about the levels of repentance within a human being. It's a a similar thing to what Jesus is talking about here. And we've been talking about repentance. We've been talking about it as if we find God's view on the matter. It's about renewing and changing our minds about who we are, about who God is, about the behavior we're living out of. And so Dr. Mulholland will list four levels at which you and I need to repent. And maybe these will resonate with you as you think about your own behavior, as you think about your own anger, as you think about your own lust, as you think about the pain in your own relationships. The first is this. These are gross sins. Not like gross as in, although some of them are. But gross as in large, as in big. These are sins that we understand and we weep at. Sins like murder, sins like rape. Damage between human beings. The next level of repentance for us is these conscious sins. These are lies that we tell, even though we know that they're lies, but they help us get ahead at work. Or they help protect our image of ourselves. They're flashes of anger that we just do and, oh, where did that come from? It's the language we use. It's the things we medicate with. The next level is unconscious sins. These are things that are beliefs and behaviors that were just kind of formed in us over time that we're just used to. They're they're patterns and habits. They're the sort of thing where we say, I'm just that sort of person. I'm just that sort of guy. I'm just that sort of lady. They they come out of you that way. And then right at the bottom of all of these things, there are trust structures. These are beliefs, deep-seated beliefs that you and I have about each other, about God, It's things that were passed down through our families. And there are ways that we really just, unless we allow Jesus to bring repentance to them, these are the things right at the bottom here. These are the things that are running your life. It's your trust structures. It's whether you believe God is good or whether he's angry. It's whether you believe a man needs to behave like this or this is what a woman does. And you and I need to invite the Spirit of God to go right to the bottom of these trust structures, right into the ingredients and the system of our lives and allow Jesus to bring his kingdom to there so that our other behaviors, our conscious and our unconscious behaviors might be transformed. If you've ever been trapped, particularly in in moments of anger, moments of lust, you'll realize that these things are actually much more rooted than you and I would care to imagine. And yet Jesus steps forward And says, I'm everyday reality and I'm future hope and I've come to set you free so that even these parts of yourself might be fully transformed in my kingdom. Some of you are sermon in a sentence people and I've thrown a lot of text and a lot of points at you right now. So here's your your thing, here's your sermon in a sentence. Remember we're talking king, kingdom people. So King Jesus, his fulfillment of the law and prophets It sets you and I free. It sets us free because he has accomplished it. Because our righteousness now exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Because Jesus has accomplished what you and I were powerless to do through his birth, death, resurrection. Because of that, he has set us free to pursue an everyday kind of holiness as we live in his kingdom. This isn't about simply just going on one level of law or one level of grace. It's about the empowerment of Jesus's work that sets us free from religion once and for all so that you and I can now live with power. You and I can now live in his kingdom. You and I can now live transforming, not trapped in old cycles, but able to live free, able to truly be the salt and light he invites us to be. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 says this so beautifully. I want to read this together over us as we close. The the writer or speaker is is talking about what we've talked about today the relationship between the law and Jesus and how he fulfills it. It's these words here, Hebrews 10, chapter 1. The law, it's only a shadow of the good things that are coming, it's not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those of us who draw near to worship. It can't do that. If it could, otherwise, would they not have stopped it being offered? The worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins, but these sacrifices are a continual reminder, an annual reminder of sin, and a reminder of this, that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Many of us maybe aren't living thinking about bulls and goats taking away our sins. But maybe we're thinking about church attendance or where we came from or the occasional good works or the comparison of others. We're hoping that that takes away sins, but it's impossible to do so. So therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you, he's talking to God, were not pleased. So then I said, here I am, it's written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, you didn't desire, nor were you pleased with them, although they were in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, listen, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. Would you stand with me on every location? Let's read this final portion together as we start to move towards response. Ministry teams, teams that are serving, you you can start to move right now. Verse 11, this is the gospel of Jesus. Every day, every day, Day after day, every priest stands and performs religious duties again and again, offering the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah who came for you and came for me, that we might live in union and communion with God. This priest had offered for one time, one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God And since that time, he waits for all of his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect, that's your position and my position, perfect in Jesus, those who are being made holy. That's the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit helping us to live that everyday holiness. In fact, the Holy Spirit says this about us. He says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds so they would choose me freely. And he adds their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, Let these words soak into your heart today. Sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. King Jesus' fulfillment of the law and fulfillment of the prophets has bought for you and I the freedom to pursue an everyday kind of holiness as we live in his kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's your inheritance. If you're living in religion, that's not right. Be set free this morning by the gospel. So all across our locations, we're gonna respond. We've been doing this regularly, but I wanna help us get our minds and hearts around what we're gonna do here today. If this is you and you've never tasted and seen that Jesus Christ is who he says he was, and that his invitation to trust in his sacrifice is for you today, if that's the first time that you're doing that, there's a cross in your auditorium. I wanna invite you just to go, maybe kneel there, maybe write your name and put it on the cross to reflect on for the first time what Jesus has done for you. There's a cross in your room, scan around, start to see where it is. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, the communion tables are open for you all across our auditoriums. This is why we do communion, to celebrate. He has done it. He's accomplished it. And so as we take bread and juice, we're remembering the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus shed for us that it would accomplish in us an everyday kind of holiness. Listen, you might have to wait in line. Let's not treat communion like we're getting drinks at a Braves game. Allow someone to look you in the eye and say, this is the body of Jesus. This is the blood of Jesus. You might have to wait a couple of minutes. That's okay, we're not in a rush. You might need to pray with someone. There's ministry teams who would love to pray with you. You might want to submit a prayer request. So we've got tables around your auditoriums where you can write down prayers and either put them in a basket there or put them in the gift boxes at the end as you leave. For you, you may want to respond just by just worshipping, just by exalting Jesus. Our teams are going to come and, and sing and give us moments of reflection as we sing together and you might want to stand or sit. Just remember what Jesus has done for you. You might want to serve uh, and honor God through giving and there's opportunities for you to give as you walk out, there's give boxes there or you you can text give to 30303. Right now, all across our campuses, all across our church, the spirit of the living God is inviting us to remember this truth. Jesus Christ is everyday reality. Jesus Christ is future hope. You and I are able to live in freedom every single day. And we come here gathering as a church to recalibrate our minds and hearts around that, to come and taste of communion, to come and kneel and pray, to come and sing to the one who's made all things new and is making all things new through us, his people. Let's enjoy this. This is the pace of the kingdom of God. A moment where we get to come in away from the busyness of the world and the mess that we might have to walk back into. Listen, the spirit of God might empower you in this moment to be able to go and live differently. So let's pray together and then worship teams all across the state are gonna come out and help us respond. You're gonna, you're gonna move as I pray. Holy Spirit, come across all of our campuses right now. We long to know this truth so deep in our DNA that it would go all the way through to the very trust structures, to the core beliefs of our hearts that Jesus Christ has made a way for us to live in everyday freedom, everyday holiness, everyday lightness, that we're no longer slaves to sin, no longer powerless in religion, but we've been set free in the gospel. We are fully known and fully loved by the only one who gets to define us, King Jesus So Holy Spirit, bring that truth deep into my heart, bring that truth deep into our hearts, as individuals, as families, as a church together. God, we take a big breath of the gospel this morning, receiving from you, our Lord, our Savior, our King. Come Holy Spirit, minister to your people, strengthen weary hearts, lift tired hands, Give us fresh wind, fresh power. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We can respond now, church.
5: Hey, my name's Clayton King, one of the pastors here at New Spring. And I just wanted to thank you for joining us online today. It's always a pleasure for us as a church to serve the bigger family of God. So whether you're traveling this weekend or maybe you're sick at home or maybe you weren't able to make it in person to one of our campuses to gather with the people of God today, we want to serve you as best we can through this online platform. Listen, if you're joining us online today, would you do us a favor? We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want to help you be who God wants you to be and connect with God. Just text us. Just send the words "church online." to 30303 that's all you have to do church online to 30303 that way we can connect with you find out who you are and where you are and the things that you need to grow in your relationship with jesus whether that's a brand new relationship with christ whether that's to get connected with friends discipleship giving we're here for you Hey, we just heard a great message from Finn from the Sermon on the Mount. Matter of fact, he literally just walked off stage. I'm going to invite Pastor Finn to come right now and share with us a little bit. Man, what a word. I love it when you get fired up. Um, (laughs) Share with our folks online today maybe one thing that's just burning on your heart about the message and the passage you preached on today.
4: Yeah, I just want to get us around the idea again, King, kingdom, establishing his people. And so whether you're in South Carolina and you've... You used to go to church or maybe you've been to one of our campuses but you want to come back I want to encourage you you can't do the kingdom life fully without being connected to the people that's where God wants you to be so if you've been disconnected for a while come back we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning if you live somewhere that's not near one of our campuses reach out There are Bible-believing, spirit-filled churches all over the country that we, or even all over the world that we'd love to help you get connected with. So, again, text the number and text the words that Clayton said. Be connected to what the king is
5: doing in his kingdom through the people of God. That's right. And, hey, we hope that you can get to one of our campuses next week as we continue the Sermon on the Mount. And if you can't, we'll see you back here at Church Online next Sunday. I want to pray for you Mm -hmm. and just bless you in Jesus' name. God, we just want to thank you for the folks who have joined us online today. from all over the country, all over the world. And we pray you would bless them in the week to come, in the days ahead. May they carry your kingdom with them in submission to your beautiful kingship. May we be kingdom people Mm -hmm. doing kingdom things Mm -hmm. in this world that belongs to the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We bless you. We'll see you soon.